This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Hi, Jess. Hey, Hammond. This is a last minute thrown together podcast It is. We were going to do this tomorrow, but it's Thursday night. And then it's like, can you do this in 10 minutes? Boom. Let's go. All yeah. right. I was, Mikey and I were literally like, do you want to watch more Twin Peaks tonight? Then Hammond texted. And I was like, no. I have to yell. My job is to ruin everybody's night. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really romantic. So, um, okay. I want to so. start with uh, some, uh, let's get some of the politics stuff out of the way. Yeah. Just because it wasn't like mind shattering news, but it, this is important stuff to talk about. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to bring up is Congress is on the verge of passing this $1.3 trillion omnibus spending bill. Uh It's huge. It's like more than 2,000 pages. Nobody has read it because you can't. And they only gave them like a day to look at it. So That that seems like a really reasonable way to run the country. So they're going to pass it because that's what they do in this Congress. Thanks, Republicans. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that people were looking for is, uh, do you remember last year we talked about this at the time? President Trump said... Along with Mexicans are going to pay for the wall. Uh One of the other promises he's made ever since he was campaigning is that he's going to make it legal for church pastors to endorse candidates from the pulpit, the Johnson Amendment. Uh, He's going to repeal that. He's going to make it legal for church pastors to tell their congregations who to vote for, and they won't lose their tax exemptions at all. Right. Um, in effect, this is kind of what was already happening. Yeah. But he I, was going to codify it. Right. right? I, I want to be clear that, like, so essentially, in theory, a pastor can't say vote for Donald Trump, but they can say, well, there's only one candidate who supports our views of, like, fucking women over at every turn and <laughs> right. making they sure babies say, have guns. This is, we got to make sure the fetuses have guns. Yes. They could <laughs> say that. They could say this is an issue that matters. What they can't say is... Vote Donald Trump. Yes. But... People still do that, and they like bait the the IRS. So it's yeah. Some so pastors this is like, have videotaped themselves doing yeah. it, sent it to the IRS because they want a legal fight to yeah. strike down the Johnson Amendment. So this is all the epitome of political grandstanding. Totally. It is it is a thing that means nothing. It is posturing. It's garbage. But if but. the Johnson Amendment is repealed, what could happen in theory is that because it's a nonprofit, people uh-huh. could donate. To the churches, because they're churches, they don't have to reveal their donors. Uh-huh. You have a lot of people who could theoretically donate to candidates via the churches, and it's dark money. You don't know who's donating, how much they're donating. You don't know what the church is getting. It's it's a horrible idea, and here's the thing. Just like Jesus wanted. <laughs> exactly. It says it in the Bible. Um, there are people on the religious right who want to see this struck down, but by and large... Most religious people, religious leaders don't want this to happen. Because they don't want to open the door to exposing any of this yes. shit. They don't want to say who their donors are, or how much money is going through, or how much Joel Osteen and his teeth are making. <laughs> if there's one thing some of these churches don't want to do is to play politics, because they know the winds shift in politics all the time. Yeah. And their whole message is Jesus is always the same. They want to spread the message of Jesus as they see it. And inserting politics, like... That's that would ruin everything I mean, on that, their from their perspective, and that's a very wholesome way to <laughs> believe that these pastors are thinking. Yes, so many of them certainly are not. Why do we bring all that up? So Donald Trump signed an executive order last May saying I'm going to repeal the Johnson Amendment, so and then brave. when you read it, it's like he didn't actually do anything. He just put on a show in, on the Rose Garden, you know, <laughs> like he didn't do it. And even the religious rights, like this, didn't help us. This isn't what we wanted. So then. 
because the whole thing is you can't executive order your way through this thing. You got to legislate this like Congress has to strike down the Johnson Amendment. So then the question is, well, how are they going to do that and get away with it? Yeah. And the answer was, well, let's try to get it through some of these budget bills because we have to pass the budget. Let's cram it in there. In the last, what, how many how many months have they been like punting the, the budget? And repeatedly. Doing like, and they pass short term right, spending exactly. bills. And they just keep punting it down the road. And the thing is, at least once, maybe twice, they've tried inserting, like the House would insert the Johnson Amendment repeal in the bills but the senate says no it disappears they pass the spending bill and so this has happened once or twice and so again with this omnibus bill that has to pass like the republicans are gonna make sure this thing passes yeah they tried it again but when the re- final version of it came out last night mm-hmm. wasn't in there really yeah so they're not doing oh. the johnson amendment this the repeal they're not doing it this time either Does it mean it's over? No, because again, there'll be another spending bill down the line. But once again, this is one of the Donald Trump core promises to his religious base. I'm going to get rid of this thing. It's not happening. There's a dog in the background. Yeah, I'm um, so but sorry. It, it's all good. <laughs> None but of us like, are ready for this tonight. This is this is the thing. He hasn't delivered on this one big promise to the religious right. Right. It's really not a huge deal because, like we said, it it effectively it kind of is going on already, and the IRS is looking the other way. Right. But he failed again. The secular side of this debate has won again Uh temporarily. That's a big deal. That shouldn't be discounted, I guess. So good. That's good short-term news. It's good. It honestly, don't it's you a feel small like, victory. Right. You know, but honest, this, all of this feels like the reason people hate and mistrust government. Of like, it's just so sneaky and like, I just, ugh, it's. It it makes me so cynical to hear shit like this, and I try so hard to be like a Leslie Nope optimist, but <laughs> you are making it real hard for there's me. There's one more that had to do with the government that I wanted to I bring have a up. Thing too. Um, this story involves something we've talked about in the past, which is that Jason Heap he is a uh, he wanted to become a humanist chaplain. Oh yeah, in we the about Navy. Him last week. Yeah, um, at the time. You know, long story short, he wants to be the first humanist chaplain. Well, he wants to be a humanist chaplain. He would be the first because the military has all these non-religious people serving in it Mm -hmm. because there are atheists in foxholes. But they have zero counselors that cater to the non-religious. And this is specifically in the military, right? In the Navy, specifically. Oh, in the Navy. Yes. And so uh, for a long time, he he applied. His credentials are impeccable, Mm -hmm. but he never got through. They just kept saying no. And then finally, what happened last week that we talked about is that the Navy Chaplain Appointment and Retention Eligibility Advisory Board, basically the people who say, yeah, that guy seems fine. You can take him (laughs) as a chaplain. Yeah. They said, you know what? We approve this guy. He's fine. Uh Uh, There are higher ups that have to approve it, but they gave him their green light. That's a big deal. And so now he's a chaplain and we don't have to talk about this anymore. Of course not, because after they issue that recommendation, some Republicans in the House, like 44 of them, and two dozen Republicans in the Senate signed a letter. Two dozen in the Senate? Uh Uh-huh. Sent separate letters. Do they have shit to do? No. Have you seen this government? They wrote letters to the Navy saying, don't you dare approve this humanist. Don't let him become a chaplain. And their reasoning was not the soldiers don't need it. It was that, well, a humanist is non-theistic. The chaplaincy, by definition, is a religious institution. How dare you, 
you know, desecrate the name of chaplaincies. What a dumb fucking bill. What a, what a dumb hill to die on. Yeah. It's it's absurd. It, again, they're more it's interested just, in like the defi- It's like the people who are like, I refuse to use a singular they in describing like your gender do identity. Do not get me started on the singular <laughs> they. I have gotten in shouting matches over the sing- singular they, they for life, y'all. Go ahead. <laughs> it's people who are like, but this is grammar. Other people are like, this is my humanity. Like, yeah. this is not a discussion. Yeah, and also the <laughs> English... Le- Sorry, you shouldn't have mentioned grammar. The yeah. English language is really incomplete and in that we don't have a way to to s- call somebody or something something that's gender neutral. Right. They is the Singular. closest thing we have. Thank you. Yeah. They is the closest thing we have. And yeah, maybe it's not uh, grammatically perfect, but it's what we have. And he or she is clunky as fuck, so don't <laughs> come at me with he or she. And also, they is fine. Go Send ahead. Send your message to at Blueberry. At Blueberry. B-L-U-E-B-R-E. Um, Fight me. So the Republicans were saying, well, chaplain means religious. He's not it's religious. Therefore, who need, why would these soldiers need help? Um, here's the thing, though. Last year, the Department of Defense classified humanism in their list of faiths right. for the sake of, like, military purposes. Uh-huh. Um, there's an argument to be made. It's not a philosophical one, but it's a legal military <laughs> one that humanist in the military, that counts as a religion. Atheist, you could argue, counts as a religion if you're looking at it from the military's point of view. Right. There could be a case for religious discrimination here for saying this guy meets every criteria that any other chaplain would have. Right. But he's the one that keeps getting told no. Okay. That he hasn't announced any lawsuit or anything. But uh, I'll finish this part of the story, which is these Republicans sent the letters to the Navy saying, don't accept the recommendation. You should say no. The Navy said no the other day. Thanks, Navy. Uh Uh-huh. Here's my question. And I feel like I brought this up last week and I'm still like not super clear on it. So the role of chaplain is sort of like a therapeutic sort of. Yes. Think of it as counselor. That's the simplest way to put it. So here's my question. So if I'm in the Navy, which... I obviously would be. I'm very strong and brave. Yes. Um, If I'm in the Navy and I need counseling, is there any kind, is it like chaplains or you can go see just like a therapist that has nothing to do with the religious realm? Or is it, these are your chaplain, this is your support system, otherwise like go drink about it. I'm, I could be wrong. I apologize to the people who serve. If I get this wrong, I don't think they have secular options. Okay. Now, there may be religious chaplains who can do the job secularly, Uh but they do have to see a a religious chaplain because that's the only option. Okay. And again, the problem is if you're like thinking, um, you know, I just lost my friend in Mm -hmm. combat or... I'm going through a rough time at home because, Mm -hmm. you know, this life is a tough one. And you don't want someone to counsel you and say, like... Jesus has the answer or whatever. Yeah, pray to God, look to faith, anything like that. You want someone who speaks your language. You want someone who can talk to you about how to cope with this stuff, who doesn't bring God into the discussion. Yeah, because I feel like even some... So, like, I have been and am in therapy for a long time. And, like, I feel like even if I was religious... That kind of counseling, you don't always need, like, just pray on it or whatever. I feel like at some point somebody has to be like, here are things you're dealing with and here are tools to deal with it with. And maybe, like, Jesus is somewhere in the background, but I can't... I, I just... I find it frustrating more than anything that, if this is the case, that if if I am in the Navy, whatever my religious belief is, and need counseling, my only option is to go see a religious advisor. And the thing is, there are 
more atheists, openly atheistic people in the military yeah. than uh, Hindus, Jews, Mormons combined. Really? And yet, and there yeah. are Muslim chaplains. There are, I think there's a Hindu chaplain or two. There are Jewish chaplains. Like, they have religious chaplains for the other minority religions, and that's fine, but they refuse to allow one specifically to help those non-religious yeah. soldiers. Isn't that... God, it just By the kills- way, Roger Wicker is the senator from Mississippi who wrote the Senate's letter. And so after, after the Navy said no at his behest, this is what Roger Wicker said. The Navy's leadership has done the right thing. The appointment of an atheist to an undeniably religious position is fundamentally incompatible with atheism's secularism. Oh, he's protecting us. He is. He's oh helping. He's Thank helping you grammar. So much, Colonel. He's Wicker. helping definitions. What's his name? Richard Wicker. Uh, ro- uh, the, 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 uh, Roger Wicker. Roger Wicker. Yes. He just sounds like a Southern plantation owner. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I kind of love that name. If I'm being honest, I just, okay. So here's the thing. I don't like to spend my days and specifically evenings with my good friend Hammond. Being what? angry and annoyed. But they keep making it really difficult for me to not be angry and annoyed. Like, yeah. how... It's I mean, it's 2018. What are we doing here? Yeah, this is... It's such a... It's not like this is costing them anything. They're not losing anything by so having fr- a non-religious chaplain. It's not even any kind of no. rights. No, it's literally, you might be able to help a lot of these thousands and thousands of soldiers who are not religious. Nope, you're going to ruin it's my definition. Such, it's so... There's no reason to say no. It's uh, so opaque. It's so bigotry. opaquely just grandstanding. I just, it makes me so angry. It, like... I don't know. I'm not going to say regular words because I'm just fucking furious about it's, it. It's mad. And also, I'm really not in the like my normal podcast headspace, so I feel like my words aren't coming super easy. I have a government thing, too. Yes. Um, have you heard of a gentleman named Roger Severino? Go on. Okay. I would love to tell you about him. So, uh, Roger Severino uh, grew up in L.A. He's the son of um, Colombian immigrants, and he's got um, really kind of... I don't know if heroin, maybe it's not that dramatic, but but troubling tales of being in high school and being discriminated against. Kids calling, you know, he's on the swim team. Kids called him racial slurs. He said that uh, when he was in high school, his counselor kept trying to make him take shop classes and vocational training. He asked, can I have, don't you have honors classes? And the counselor said, yeah, but you have, who is white? Yeah, but you have to take a test. This guy took the test, got in the honors classes, ended up going through Harvard Law. Okay. Um, he has a really interesting and um, and uh, great career. I was trying to think of a better word than great. Came up empty. Um, so he was in the Justice Department Civil Rights uh, Division. He famously um, protected uh, black citizens in New Orleans from housing discrimination that was happening after in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. A real stellar, Seems good. a real stellar servant of the American people. Sure. So he recently um, was placed in the Department of Health and Human, Human Services, specifically in the um, the Civil Liberties segment of that. So sounds right. So I didn't I I didn't know this until twenty minutes ago, and haven't texted me to say who's coming <laughs> over and I needed to do research. Um, 
there is a whole segment of the uh, of the Department of Health and Human Services that is lawyers who handle cases of uh, people. Let me see. Uh, I'm going to read this out loud. Um, it's the Civil Rights Division, and um, it is to shit. Where to go? Oh, so you're not to ensure that you're not the Civil Rights Department ensure you're not denied health care due to race or gender, and to protect medical privacy. So they get thousands and thousands of complaints every year, and they address these. And so, by all accounts, this Severino guy is like aces, right? Like he's, here's the thing, Hammett, my friend, he is um, Catholic, and he's aggressively Catholic. He's one of those aggressive Catholics. Um, So his, so under Obama, um, the rights uh, under the Health and Human Services was extended to the the, uh, LGBTQ community. I mean, uh, the queer community has a long history of being mistreated by the medical community, specifically trans people. Something like 30% of trans adults say that they've been um, discriminated in some way or another by their doctor. It's a, it's a, uh, you want someone watching over this. Yes. It's a community that, that needs and deserves to be protected. Um, Severino's focus is sort of elsewhere. Um, so his main thing is that he's very concerned about the protection of healthcare workers who have to work against their conscience. He says America's doctors, he was on, um, uh, NPR, can't think of it. Um, he was on NPR and said, um, America's doctors and nurses are dedicated to saving lives and they shouldn't be bullied out of the practice of medicine simply because they object to performing abortions against their conscience. He thinks that religious freedom is the, quote, first freedom, and he's issued a rule that allows employers to refuse to cover birth control as part of their employee health insurance plans um, if those employers have a religious or moral objection to to contraception. So we're allowing discrimination if it's faith-based. So this man who has been a champion of so many people in need because of his his Catholic faith and his anti-abortion stances is putting that on the top of his agenda, that he's not concerned that trans people are not getting the health care they need or that women are not getting the health care they need. His concern is for all those good, sweet nurses who are being, like, handcuffed and made to perform abortions or whatever. Or, and I would argue, that obviously I was exaggerating for the sake of emphasis, but for me, the thing that fucking kills me is the um, employer, if employers have a religious or moral objection to contraception. And I, I mean, God, I feel like I fucking say this every week, but I'm really sick of people putting morals onto contraception and my right to use my body. I, I find that extraordinarily disingenuous. I, Here's the thing. With the abortion thing, obviously I am pro-choice and always will be pro-choice and stand very firm in, in my belief there. When I hear from people who are anti-abortion, I don't agree with them. I understand where they're coming from, right? Like, I understand that in their mind, that, like, this is the reality of what's happening. Fine. Like, fine. Whatever. I'm so troubled, however, by this thing about contraception. Like, I just don't understand how in 2018 we can still be like, oh, contraception is super controversial. I don't understand it. I don't understand why we're still here. And I've said this a million times. Like, I'm 32. I've been married for two and a half years. 
I don't want to be pregnant right now, and that is my right. But also, like, I also want to have sex sometimes, and that's also my right. Like, to to point to and contraception. And this guy's making it a punishment. Yeah, so I now work for a fairly small company, and in theory, if my boss's boss was like, no, birth control is icky, they could rightly, they could legally deny me of this under this kind of law. And I just don't, I don't fucking understand it. I don't understand it. What surprises me, and it's the same thing I've seen with like Ben Carson in Housing and Urban Development, because they're making it harder for certain groups of people, LGBT people, to even get the housing stuff they need. Yeah. His story, too, is one of, he faced discrimination. He overcame that discrimination. That is part of his life story. And you would think he would be more attuned to other people going through similar struggles, and yet he's making it harder for them. That sounds like what Severino is doing, too. Yes. So, like, you of all people should be a champion for struggling people or people who feel like their rights are being oppressed and you're siding with the oppressors. That makes no sense. Two things. I retweeted something recently that was... I thought, put it really concisely, there are two kinds of people. One, the kind of people who say, I never want anybody to suffer like I did, or B, the kind of people who say, well, I suffered, so you have to, too. That's one thing. I so, made it through. You'll be able to get through ugh, this. What fucking monsters. Second, somebody <laughs> tweeted, because last week I started to talk about the Ben Carson dinette set or whatever, oh, yeah. and they thought that they were... <laughs> I like stopped myself in one of my rare instances of self-control um, and I halted myself from a uh, from a tasty rant. Essentially what I was going to say is like this kind of which did you hear Ben Carson blamed his wife? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, Apparently it's not the first time he did that. Like he throws his wife under the bus a lot of times. Poor woman. Um why I want to bring up things like that and I think it is worth bringing up even though it's not necessarily relevant to our particular subject matter is that $31,000 for whatever, like a table and chairs. Like we're sitting at right now. I got this at a garage sale. Um, my problem is when Republicans specifically talk about government waste and where's this money going, what they always zero in on are the people in most need who need the money the most, but let's make welfare checks harder to get and let's let's crack down on, on healthcare and things like that. But these... And, and that's, what, thousands of dollars a person per year. But Ben Carson spent a decent, a halfway decent sal- year's salary on a fucking table. And, no, like, if you're really, you, GOP, if you're really concerned that what we're, what our problem is as a country is government waste, then maybe, like, look at your own fucking house. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. That was my thing. Very nice. Thank you. Uh huh. Let me talk about this thing uh, that happened. <laughs> Sorry, that's that could apply we to every single story. So, so. on our game tonight, <laughs> I'll get on it. Okay, the story is this: oh, hey, a fifty-five. Won, huh? They did. Look at that. None did a thing. Uh, the sister Jean, the ninety-eight-year-old woman, is like storming the court. Oh, is she after. doing great? I, I only She's know about good. it because I was scouring Twitter trying to find things, and everybody kept talking about Loyola. I was like, I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I need stories. Okay, go ahead. It's a happy story in theory, though. I think she's getting on everyone's nerves after this much exposure. But whatever. What? They made the she deserves elite it. eight question uh, mark. They did make the That's elite exciting. eight. Do you have a connection to Loyola, or you're just uh, supporting Chicago? 
know Chicago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, and also because they never make the basketball tournament. Yeah, like, Loyola is like... A, I would be rooting for any team that's not like Duke or Kentucky that makes it every single yeah, time. Yeah, and for some reason, like, no, Loyola is just based in the north side of Chicago, and for some reason, any school that's not, like, in rural Ohio, I'm like, fuck yeah, guys. Like, <laughs> get so, it. as I'm I was sorry. saying... <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, this 55-year-old woman from Spain, she died, uh, I guess, a while back, but a paper about her just came out now because here's the reason she died. She was doing something called API therapy, API, API therapy. She died of that. And here's what it is. You know acupuncture uh-huh. where they're like sticking the needles in your body? She did that, but with bees. <gasps> what? Yeah. <laughs> It's bee acupuncture. Uh, live bees and their stingers live are used. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why? Because she was experiencing, quote, muscular contractures and stress. Contra- yeah. Contractions? Uh, it's um, muscular contractures. Like, it was hurting. She's in pain. Oh. She's stressed out. So the bees, they put bees. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Bees. They put her like in bees. a room with live bees and they're like, go at it, honey boys. I, I want like, if you look at a picture of someone doing apitherapy and, I will not. and you will not, it's like a bee on tweezers and they're like, here, sting Jessica. Like, don't! It's, yeah. Don't tell them to sting me. They yeah. can hear you. So, but here's what happened. She did this. She, I'm reading from the article here. She developed wheezing, uh, sudden loss of consciousness after was the life. allergic to bees? Apparently it's not that she was allergic, but when you're already going through a difficult time and you're getting repeated bee stings, it can exacerbate whatever that is going on. Oh, you mean the venom is probably not great for the human fucking yeah, body? Yeah, a lot of venom, venom is not going to... It's venom. The venom compounds from repeated bee stings, they said, can act as allergens and cause everything from swelling to death. Oh, she was on the can, death can, side of the equation. Can I guess what she had? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Where do you get an idea? Who thinks this is a good idea? Swear to fucking Christ, if you're telling me it's in the Bible, I'm going to lose my It's not the mind. Bible. Okay. It's close. It's Gwyneth Paltrow. No! Because Gwyneth Paltrow of the goop. Gwen! And uh, supposedly acting. Uh, she's okay. the one that promotes okay. AP therapy. Look, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow has gone down a monstrous, <laughs> monstrous path, but she was an it's, excellent actress. Shakespeare in Love was my fucking jam in high school. Go ahead. It's not just her. <laughs> Kate Middleton also did it. Kate! Kate Middleton promotes AP therapy. Uh, of course, neither of them have a background in science, but like both of them have done interviews where they say, oh yeah, I did AP therapy and it helped me because they always promote the pseudoscientific stuff. Um, Kate Middleton? Isn't she pregnant again? Is she pregnant with number three? Yeah, I'm sure she is. So, yay. Okay, royal family. But, like, what are you doing, people who have followings and what are celebrities? fuck? So, B-Lady is dead because she took, like, Gwyneth Paltrow's advice. Uh, oh, that's Also, busted. don't put jade eggs up your body. That's a dumb idea, too. So, here's... Do you, I mean, not for health do you want like, a happier? Do you want a happier? Do you want your best life? If yeah. That's what you're into. Uh, yeah, I'm always needing happier. I'll do a happy, then I'll give you some sad. Jesus. Here's <laughs> here's a happier story. Um, in Europe, this new report just came out. It was by a theologian. We have universal health care, and people are great. Mm-hmm. Is that what the report is? Not even close. <laughs> uh, it's, here's the thing: it came out by a theology professor at a Catholic university in London. 
So he put this report out saying, I studied uh, religion and the demographics and what's going on. Cool. And he's freaked out. Oh. And what he's saying is more and more, uh, Stephen Bullivant, he's saying more and more young people under the age of 30 are leaving religion. I know. Um, Specifically, what he found is that in the Czech Republic, for example, 91% of people under the age of 30 have no religious affiliation. There were 12 countries in Europe where that number was above 50%. Wow. Like, and these are not, we're not talking like China where it's kind of forced upon you or like some sort of, you, if you're religious, we're going to come after you. Uh-huh. No, no, no. They have the choice. But in, in 12 countries, more than 50% of people under the age of 30. And even in a lot no of these religion. countries, there is a state religion, right? Some of them, yeah. There is like a, a state church, national church. Um, and not even that. So maybe you say, well, maybe it's a cultural thing. Like they're just, maybe they're religious, but not uh, spiritual or whatever it is. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Maybe it's that. That's not it. Because uh, in the in a lot of these countries, most of them said they never go to church or they rarely go to church. Like wow. if you exclude the holidays like Easter and Christmas, they really never go to church. In the Czech Republic, again, the most irreligious of this bunch, Mm -hmm. we're talking like 95% of people never set foot in church. Wow. Um, And we're talking never or less than once a week, which means not regularly. And again, once again, we have several countries where more than half the population never goes. And every country that they studied here, like 30 countries, except for Poland, um, we're talking like... 75% 75% and up never Holy or rarely go to church. Cow. Whoa. Like you don't see those numbers in the U S for sure. No, um, <laughs> but it's just amazing how, uh, like you said, even in places where there are like a state church, where there's a national religion, where yeah. it's kind of the default setting is to be religious. These people have a choice and their choices. Nah, I want <laughs> nothing to do with it. Which honestly, that's what it is. It's not like a defiant thing. It's like, mm. <laughs> and again, Meh. the guy who put out this report is thinking this is a bad thing. This and is the Catholic gentleman? Yes. And what he said is many young Europeans, quote, will have been baptized and then never darken the door of a church again. <laughs> wow. Like the cultural thing is not being passed on generation to generation. All those kids are like me. They had a mean grandma who made them get baptized <laughs> and then they never had to go to yeah. church again. They did it as a ritual, as a rite as a baby, yeah. and then it's like, oh, I have a choice well, whether nice. to Put go. Put the baby like, in a white dress. Everybody eats chicken skewers. <laughs> it's a great day. Uh, I want to wow. talk about two really serious stories that oh. are very uh, disturbing. Uh, this one at least has a happy ending. Okay, we've talked about this before. In Memphis, there is a pastor named Andy Savage, and his deal was that uh, very seriously, like 20 years ago, he was a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. He was overseeing a girl who was 17 years old. Mm. And uh, at one point, he was like driving her somewhere. Yes, I remember They went this to guy. a secluded area. He basically coerced her into performing oral sex on him. Um, and she, like, he apologized after the act in some sort of weird way. Obviously, this traumatized her. It never left her. Um, But he went on to be a pastor at this mega church in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Recently, uh, she basically, after he said something about sexual assault, like the yay, me too movement, she's like, I remember what you did to me. She basically said, she talked to people. She told the story. Long story short, he 
Uh, he apologized to his church. This is a couple months ago. He apologized, but he didn't go into details. What he said is, I told my church elders about this when I got hired. We don't know what he told them other they're than... like, it's really fine, dog. Yeah, they're like, well, you repented. Like you and nobody sinned. got hurt. <laughs> and Ooh, he didn't say what he did. He just said, I sinned. I had like an indiscretion or something like that when I was this youth pastor. And he's like, you know, I apologize to the globe. I sinned. I, mm-hmm. whatever. They gave him a standing ovation for that, the congregation. I remember Because he's the victim ovation. in all this. Oh, he's so brave. Um, so Mother since that time, he stepped down during, while the church conducted an investigation. Oh, and uh-huh. thorough, it, thorough it was. <clears throat> right. And so, by the way, what one of the other... What does investigation even entail? I think what it would entail, if they were doing this right... Well, and I, okay. I don't know. a I know, pretty it's big, a big leap if. already. Um, if they were doing this right, they would pull in a third party saying, you could talk to everybody from the church you want to talk to. Uh-huh. You could talk to the victim. Uh-huh. You can make your own conclusion, and we will act on your conclusion. We have nothing to do with this. Okay. I don't know that that's what happened necessarily. I'm going to say almost certainly not. Um, but in this case... Uh, let me step back. They did do an investigation. We don't know what the investigation found, but here's what the church said this week. There was an independent investigation. Uh-huh. It's completed. The findings were submitted to the church elders. And while they found no other incidents other than the one that everyone confessed to, uh-huh. Andy Savage admits that happened. Right. Um, we all agreed that he should resign. Oh, Okay. Oh. So Andy Savage has resigned. The church accepts his resignation. Uh-huh. Good. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's what should have happened. Is that the end of the story? Uh, it is. Oh. I guess here's the thing. Uh, the question is, is that enough? I mean, for the sake of this particular story, yeah, I guess justice is done. Yeah. The statute of limitations, in case you're curious, it's long expired. And she There's no doesn't charges. seem to be moving to press charges. No, any... and she couldn't if she wanted right. to. But it's one of those things where she's like, you know, I've had to live with this my whole life. You've had to do nothing because of this. Um, So finally he gets something about what's coming to him, I guess. Here's what I want to know. No, that motherfucker is just going to get a book deal and repent and like end up at a mega church somewhere. We'll find out. I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know what's going right. to, we don't know what's going to happen to this guy. But that's a question that I had specifically. What's going to happen to this guy now? Um, is he going to work in the church system? Mm-hmm. Because again, when you're a pastor, uh, one of the things we've seen from a lot of the pastors who leave the church because they're atheists, they don't is, have applicable skills. Yeah. What else are they going to do? Yeah. It's hard to leave when you're in that system. Also, I'm really curious what that investigation found that the church didn't already know. How come they were like, oh, well, we got the results and you know what? He should resign. Why couldn't you say that earlier? What is it that the investigation discovered that you were up? reluctant to do? So I don't know. Are you gently implying that there could be more? No, I'm not okay. implying there's anything worse. I'm just, I, I want to know what the church is going to do to fix this and to make sure this sort of situation doesn't happen again. Because talk like, look, why did the congregation give this guy a standing ovation for what he did? Did they really not know the seriousness of what he did? How come they didn't know what he did when he said, I told the elders about it before they hired me. Right. And he's saying, I'm going to step down. Surely the people in the congregation would want to be, would want to know like, 
What did you do? Well, it's as soon as the spotlight gets shown on them, then all of a sudden they have to <clears throat> they have to act. Like th- this kind of shit happens not just in the church and not just in Hollywood, all over the place. That people are like, oh yeah, we knew about it. We're aware, but we made like the best choice for the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys know about it? Oh, you're and right. It we've was talked about this than... with Lawrence Krauss as well. Yeah. Like, okay, he he didn't do what Andy Savage did, sure. but the allegations were serious. And the question is, what's going to happen to him? Is he just going to kind of wait it out and then go back to writing and speaking yeah. places? Who knows? Andy Savage, I don't know what's going to happen. I want to know if this church is going to do anything meaningful in how they talk about sex and sexual assault. Because again, in evangelical circles, they're very much anything sexual is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, If this victim, whether she was coerced or not, did anything sexual, it's one of those like, well, it's probably her fault. Sure. Are they going to change the way they talk about this stuff? I don't know the answer to that. And I wonder what churches are going to other churches will do if one of their pastors was guilty of this stuff. Yeah. And it confessed to it anyway. No, I think it's it's wildly optimistic to think that this would spark a conversation about any real or meaningful change. That would be right the dream. Um and I think that's what's happening largely in the secular world is that we are having more difficult and unpleasant conversations about what sexual assault looks like and what it means. Yeah. And um, I will give the secular community credit for one thing, which is we're more permissive about sex and consent and all that sort of stuff. Uh, not assault, obviously. Yeah. But like in general, we are much more lax and lenient about talking about sex, dealing yes. with sex. So, and when this stuff happens, like, yeah, there are some people who need to be dragged to the finish line about how do you talk about this stuff? How do you act about it? But I, it's I, uh, the organizations that might, have Lawrence Krauss speak, it they eventually said we're not gonna we're right. not gonna invite him. That's yeah. pretty really and all I, they could do and in I some think cases. You but. bring up an interesting point with regard to like in say Hollywood, just for the sake of, of conversation, like if somebody admits to having an affair, like, yeah, that's not great, but it's not blackball worthy. Whereas in the church, like you had an affair or you got divorced or you raped somebody. Like those are sometimes feel like the same level of crime. Any sin is a sin. So, so it's really hard to take those things seriously when you're like, Oh, somebody cheated on their wife in a consensual adult relationship versus somebody like tried to get a teenager to go down on him. Like those are very Mm -hmm. uneven, like offenses as it were, but the church seems to be comfortable lumping those in. So I'm curious what this church is going to do with Andy Savage. I don't know the answer. Um, And then this is something that just happened right before I came over before Uh we started recording this because Thursday night, the Chicago Tribune just published this bombshell of a piece. It is long. um, And again, it's one, and I only say that to say they clearly did the research. They must've spent a lot of time on this article. This happened in our backyard. Yeah. And this is in our backyard. And basically the story is uh, Willow Creek community church. It is one of the, most influential, maybe the best word to describe it. It's one of the most influential evangelical churches in the country. Mm-hmm. It, it's not flashy or showy in the sense that they don't have a television ministry. If I told you the the guy who founded the church's name and you're not a Christian, there's a good chance you've never heard of him, Bill Hybels. Yeah. Maybe you haven't heard of this guy. Um, like They do what they do. They're very influential inside the bubble. Mm-hmm. If you're outside the bubble, there's a good chance you've never heard of them. But the way they do church there has influenced the way a lot of evangelical churches 
run across the country. Uh Like people have been inspired in terms of what they teach in church, in terms of how they conduct their services, et cetera, because of what they did at Willow Creek. Okay. So, um, every time they talk about stuff, they tend to make news. Yeah. I mean, that's how influential this church is. They make a decision, people hear. Uh, one time, the uh, I think the Starbucks CEO was invited to speak at their leadership conference, really? which is ostensibly secular. Like, how do you be a good leader? Uh-huh. And he said, I'm not going to do it because I know you have views about homosexuality that I don't agree with. Yay. And he decided not to come. The church said, you know what? We respect your decision. We urge all of you, don't don't boycott it. Go mm-hmm. get a Starbucks. Like, that guy is a good guy. We disagree on this <laughs> issue. What, like, But that was a controversy at one point. Sure. For this, okay, the reason I bring this all up. The bombshell report that just came out is that the founder of this church, Bill Hybels, I'm going to quote to you from the Chicago Tribune, um, he's been accused of a lot of inappropriate behavior. Yeah. And the reason this is such a big deal is because... I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but imagine Billy Graham, who just died, who is known as like, you're above it all. You're the guy everyone looks up to. Mm-hmm. He's the one. Bill Hybels, uh, here's what the Tribune article says. The alleged behavior that multiple women have accused him of includes suggestive comments, extended hugs to the point of uh, an unwanted kiss, invitations to hotel rooms. It also included an allegation of a prolonged consensual affair with a married woman who later said her claim about the affair was not true. Whoops. And maybe the reason for that is she just wanted nothing to do with this story. Yeah, this is not a fun situation to be in. Um, There's a lot of allegations of just, you've made a lot of women very uncomfortable. He never... Uh, again, if you read the story, he's not assaulting anybody. He may have been uh, ethically, we could say, compromised at some points, uh-huh. like in his decisions. But one of the things that really stood out is we've heard of the Billy Graham rule, the Mike Pence rule, which is like if you're a male Christian leader, mm-hmm. don't be alone with another woman who's not your wife. Well, they follow that rule at this church, like the leadership, the men Except are told. For... Yeah, Bill Hybels has told the men leaders in his church, like, don't be alone with another woman. And yet, the story goes, he's invited plenty of women who were not his wife to be alone with him. And at some points, like... In a sexual way or just in a, like... In a, let's come talk about church stuff. We're two adults who can be in a room alone together. If that was the case, this probably wouldn't be as big of a deal. But the story from many of these women is that he invited them over and then got very, like... Handsy. Uh, suggestive? Suggestive. Creepy. I think creepy, like, might be closer to the truth because he's not doing anything. No, there's no jury involved here, all right? Right. No one's convicting this guy of anything. And by the way, I should point out, he denies everything. Oh, you don't say. It's not a denial like um, she's making it all up. He's saying, I didn't invite her to my hotel room, period. It's not that, no, she was there, but nothing happened. Sure. Nope, she's just lying. Every woman in this story is lying, according to him. Well, we're a collective group, so like when women get our heads around something, we will lie like a unit. And he goes even further. Like, So the question comes from the reporter, like, well, how really every single one of these women lied? So how did it get to this point? And his response was, this has been a calculated and continual attack on our elders and on me for four long years. Uh, it's time that gets identified, blah, blah, blah. The charges against me are false. There still to this day is no evidence of misconduct on my part. I told you, women um, are really organized. And here's the thing. If you read the story, many of these women spoke to each other. Like, And it's scary because this is a tight-knit 
group. Like, yeah. so if a woman tells like a woman something, they're probably telling it to a woman who's in church leadership. Yeah. And we're talking other colleagues of his who are pastors at the church who are women. And this is one of those evangelical churches that has women in leadership. Uh-huh. Even they were told about it. Some of them experienced it. And they were like, yeah, it was weird. like, uh, I think in one situation they were overseas in a trip in Europe or something. And like a woman's husband was on the trip with her. And he's like, come to the hotel room, but like, don't bring your husband. Like that sort of weirdness. Uh. So again, I, look, I'm not in any way comparing what he did to Andy Savage or any of these other stories we've right. been talking about. The reason I bring it up is uh, it's, if this church, if this church that is as influential and respected um, has experienced this sort of thing and I, it'll be interesting to see, again, it just happened. I haven't, like I told Jessica right before this, I haven't had a chance to process this story yeah, this is brand or, new. or read any of the reactions to it either. But um, this is one of those things that I don't know that anyone's going to pay attention outside the bubble because, uh-huh. again, these are not he assaulted somebody allegations. Um, and it's a church that no one really yeah, pays I, attention to because they're not crazy. They believe all the same stuff, but they're not rabidly anti-gay. They're not political like some other churches. Yeah. They're under the radar. I and mean, they have a pretty big influence in the Chicagoland area for yeah, sure. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I think the importance of things like this, and I would even look like the Lawrence Krauss-type accusations, is that I, I think we're uncovering now, like, okay, so the Harvey Weinstein thing was like, oh, men are trading sexual favors for job opportunities, and that's, like, obviously terrible. And then the next level down was like, oh, men coerce women into, un- or, like, make uncomfortable advantages, um, advances, rather, or use their influence. But then we kind of get down to this layer that's, I would say, not as maybe traumatizing to each individual, but really hurts us as a society because it may these kinds of actions, these kinds of microaggressions, this sort of way of this is the dude that runs this place. And he gives me the fucking EBGBs or he like that touched is what- me weirdly on the small of my back. It makes the community, it makes the world hostile for women. And again, these are influential church. You want to work with this guy because yeah. of the what he can do. Again, as far as everyone will tell you who other people who have worked with them, he inspired them. He worked like you don't want to be on the this guy's bad side because nobody's on this guy's yeah. bad side. So when those, like you said, those microaggressions happen, it's like, well, that was weird, but what am I going to do about yeah, that? Yeah, and so you're in this position of, like, this thing's happening, and I'm not happy about it, but, like, what could I possibly do? Or who could I tell? Or is there any point in telling? Because he didn't necessarily, he didn't do anything illegal. Like, right, it's that just, story about the woman who said there was uh, some sexual thing going on, but then she denied that later on. That story was she confessed to a friend of hers yeah. in the church leadership. This happened and it happened multiple times and like it shouldn't have, it was sinful, whatever. But then when that person said, look, we we need to do an investigation of right. this guy. We're going to do a real investigation. We need you to tell your story to what right. you told me. Tell it to the investigator. She's like, no, it didn't happen. Cause, and I don't fucking blame her. Like, yeah. what does she have to gain? Right. This woman is going to, if she comes forward, she's just going to get her reputation looked over incessantly. Like, if she made out with a dude in a bar when she was 19, that will be dragged up mm-hmm. and she will be put on trial 
because she dared to She was say, one of the few sources who went unnamed throughout. Like, Which I, I do yep. not blame her for. I don't right. blame her for it. Um, but uh, look, we're recording this on Thursday night. The story yeah. just dropped. It'll probably be in the physical paper tomorrow for whatever that's worth. But it's one of those things where... Uh, when it happens to this church and this person, by the way, Bill Hybels retired more or less, like I think two years ago oh, really? from the oh, church in the sense that he's still part of that community, but his role as like the leader of the church, it's more symbolic. Than- he kind of stepped down to say, while I'm still around, why don't you take over? He actually put a woman in charge of that church, which is a big deal in the mm-hmm. evangelical world. Um, I think there's two people kind of running the church, but he's still there so he can help them transition. Yeah. Like, that's awesome leadership in that sense. Sure. But he's still involved, and that's why this is still a big deal. Like, <sighs> he is not just the founder of this huge mega church. Yeah. He's still like this. He's looming over it largely. So it's a big deal, and I'm, uh, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Ugh. Let me give you a slightly happier, well, not as disturbing story <laughs> about a church. Right. Uh, there was a story uh, in the New York Times about another one of those hipster churches. What um, the fuck does that mean? Yeah. It, these are the churches where... Where like Jesus the, has a man bun and an undercut? Yes. And the <laughs> pastor wears the skinny jeans and... And he sits backwards <laughs> in his chair and raps with his More congregation. Yeah. And so the guy who's running this is Chad Beach. <laughs> his name is Chad. His name is Chad. Um, <laughs> sorry. The, here's the most hipstery part of... A joke about how they did like weird L style parodies of pop songs, and then he said his name was Chad, yeah. and I just couldn't. It's spelled uh, the church's name Z O E Church. Zoe. Except in the when they quoted him, he's like, "Oh no, it's Zoe, as in Beyonce." It's like, first of all, don't say that. First Two, of all, how dare that's you? That's not how you pronounce her name. No one says it like that. Beyonce. Like, yeah. Um, um, is there an? I uh, know this is a dumb point. Is there an? Like an accent on the E? No. Okay. I know. I paid attention okay. to that too, and the answer is no. Letters have meaning. <laughs> but uh, this is one of those guys, uh, of course, Zoe, he also... pre fucking dare he, you, Chad? He also is a spiritual advisor to Justin Bieber, because all of these hipster pastors are spiritual advisors to Justin Bieber. Here's the point I want to drag out about this particular guy, though. Like, okay... You want to be like the quote unquote cool pastor so that you can reach this new generation of future Christians, whatever. Fine. Here's what really bugged me about this guy. They asked him in the article specifically like, okay, well, what is your stance on like abortion and homosexuality? Things like that. Um, (laughs) They asked him about abortion and he declined to give a specific answer. And I think what he said, I'm paraphrasing here, is like, you know, I'm just a Bible sort of guy. That doesn't mean anything, Chad. No, it doesn't. Chad. And here's the thing. All of these hipstery type of pastors, the cool pastors, they, here's what bugs me. No one I, Chad's ever been I cool. know they all hold the same evangelical beliefs about, you know, homosexuality yeah, but that is wrong. With Chad's, cool, Chad's cool jam, <laughs> yeah. you know? They oppose abortion. They oppose women's rights. They oppose LGBT. They oppose LGBT rights, but they refuse to say it out loud because they know if they say that. Vibe. Yeah, they know if they say that, it'll turn off everybody they're trying to reach. Hey, guys, um, let's not talk about abortion. There was I'm just gonna rock out some DMB. There was a guy. Uh, there was a guy, Andrew Marin. I think we talked about him way back when. But he had a group that basically said, "Look, he lives in Chicago. There's a 
Boys Town is in downtown Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, and he wanted to make a ministry that caters to like the LGBT or not caters to them, but like reaches out to yeah. them because other Christians don't. And there are pictures that went viral online of like during the gay pride parade, you see them holding signs saying we apologize on behalf yes, of yes, the yes, church. Yes, yes, yes. And you see, you know, someone marching in the parade, giving them a huge hug, yeah. beautiful picture. Really nice. And what always bugged me, and by the way, I've said this, I've talked to this guy before. I said this to him. He's been criticized for this all the time, which is, well, okay, so where do you stand on marriage equality? And they won't answer the question. Yeah, I Because they don't want to turn off anybody, so they take zero stance on what should be the easiest moral question ever. Um, and this hipster pastor Chad guy does the same thing. Chad. He won't answer the question about abortion. He, he, they didn't talk about homosexuality specifically in the piece, but he seems to go along the same lines where they're not going to say, yeah, marriage equality is fine. We support that I because just, I don't not understand bad. the level of human being that's like tricked by Chad's like, yeah. Like who sleeve, are these millennials who like his go to this church? Tattoo and his septum piercing, and he's like, yeah. "Yeah, just Jesus wanted us to be chill to each other." I don't know why this guy was from the 1990s in my head, but like, but are because and they or maybe they just don't mention it. Um, one of the other things he didn't want to talk about is politics, which again, like we already talked about the Johnson Amendment. Like, I'm kind of glad the pastor's not talking about politics, but I don't need you to say like who to vote for. You can easily say, you know, uh, you could talk about the issues we're dealing with. Um, one of the writers for uh, Friendly Atheist, Sarah Beth Kaplan, said very clearly, look, Jesus talked about these issues. He talked about uh, impure women, quote unquote. He <laughs> talked about forgiving your enemies and helping immigrants. And like, that's what Jesus stood for. So how do you say anymore. I'm not going to talk about politics when according to her interpretation, like Jesus always talked about these political quote unquote issues. It's like this guy wants to be cool, but he doesn't want to say anything controversial. And what bugs me is like, if there's one thing we, I know millennials get stereotyped all the time, but like if there's one thing that is in common with all those stereotypes is that they like authenticity. Yes. Right. Like they want you to be real with them. Don't talk down to them. Don't be condescending. And, and that's why they do Chipotle, right? Like it's the, (laughs) it's the real ingredients. It's, I don't know. It's like, Oh, the coffee had to be harvested the right way. Whatever. Oh, are you authentically? <laughs> and this guy is this Chad is an authentic. Oh, I hate Chad so much. So does he have an undercut? Do you um, know what an undercut is? I know. Oh, um, I'm sorry. But I'm guessing I'm the sorry. answer is sure. Um, he does have a tattoo. Is it cool? Is it like no. a Jesus fish? Is uh, it as cool as my Darwin tattoo? Uh, no. Okay, so. So I think, yes, millennials definitely crave authenticity. And and sort of the flip side of that coin, maybe I guess it's the same thing, but we see, we as millennials, you and I, millennials, we see through inauthenticity so easily because it's so easy to see. It's so disingenuous. It's so transparent. <laughs> like, it, it, I mean, it's just the same way with these, like, Parkland kids are so good at fucking Twitter because it's their native language. Like, <laughs> right. like, millennials grew up with people, like, trying to be cool and rap with them and, like, be the cool substitute teacher with the ponytail who sits on the chair backwards. Like, we've seen that our, our entire lives, so we know it inauthentic assholes look like and guess what they all look like chad 
hate Chad so um, much. Let me go on a tangent What's from there. What's tattoo, though? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it probably says in the article. I don't know what it said. Oh, I thought um, you had a picture. I, I did not have a Chad. picture of the tattoo. What's... What? Um, Chad. Just look up the name Chad. Find the first <laughs> tattoo. They all, go ahead. I'm sure go, all the tattoos Go look find the your rant, Dennis uh, Here's the rant. Uh, Connor Lamb. He won that special election in Pennsylvania, like, last week. Yeah. I've seen criticism this week from Democrats who are saying, this is a guy who says he's for abortion rights but personally he says i don't support abortion i'm pretty sure he's catholic he says you know personally i choose this but it's as a matter of policy i would never vote that way um because whatever pro-choice i am not bothered by that at all tim kane said the exact same thing he's hardcore catholics but chad lewis yep uh no wrong guy wrong chad um, so, <laughs> this guy's got a dimple chin. I'm sorry, I'm listening to you. <laughs> so the question is, uh, do you care about these? I know there's always the purity test for Democrats. You're going to kick everyone out of the tent at some point. But for someone like him who is politically, like legislatively pro-choice, I don't, I don't care if he's not pro-choice in his private life Wait. at all. Were you going to do a rant or are you trying to set me up? That was the rant. I was just, I've seen people criticize this guy for saying, um, I've seen people get mad at this guy for holding this conflicting principle. I don't think those people are especially heard it from pro-lifers quote unquote, who said this guy's a hypocrite. Um, He's trying to get the political win from Democrats by saying he's pro-choice, but he's not. And that's really bad. Like just pick one. Okay. Um, that I don't get. I don't think he's being a hypocrite. Um, okay, here's the thing. Uh, there is a, a great deal of, uh, of extent to which I agree with you. That, like, I don't care what a person, like, necessarily personally believes as long as their uh, their goal is to do what's best for the people. So in this case, I don't give a shit if you would never in a million years personally get an abortion, but you would never do... Yeah, and act anti-choice legislation, which, lol, every person who's ever gotten an abortion has been the person who's been like, oh, I never get an abortion. They get pregnant. <laughs> they get pregnant. They're like, well, you don't understand my circumstance. I'm 25, and right. if don't churches kicked out pregnant, every woman who had an abortion, they Jesus would be empty. Fucking Christ. Here is why I believe those criticisms are valid, but I will say this: Yeah, do I want to kick these dudes out of the Democratic Party? No. In 20 years, do I want these dudes to not be a part of the party? Kind of. <laughs> so you're... you're um, Like, because there's a big difference between Connor Lamb, who I don't have a problem with yeah. on that particular issue, and someone in our neck of the woods, Dan Lipinski, who's a Democrat, who is anti-choice, but a Democrat. Oh, that motherfucker. Like, he lost that... Pri- he won that primary by just oh, a little bit. Oh, what a bummer that was. Total yeah, this bummer. is primary week in, in Illinois. Total bummer that he won the primary. Because, yes. like... Your options are that guy or the neo-Nazi. Those are your options. Is that who he was running against? Yeah, he's up against a Republican neo-Nazi who literally his website says, yeah, Nazis are all right. Um, Uh, So you're going to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm not in his district. I'm just saying he would get the vote. He's going to win that race. He better win that race. Yeah. But I don't like that guy. I want him out. Connor Lamb doesn't bother me. Okay. Tim Kaine doesn't bother me. So Tim Kaine is exactly who I was going to bring up. Um, And I I think Tim Kaine is a great example for this. So in terms of my options right now, like 2018, Jessica looking at the options of the largely white male straight population who is running this country. Fine. If you're not going to legislate against my right to decide how my body does 
then fine. That said, when we continue to have rhetoric such as that that Connor Lamb espouses and Tim Kaine does, what happens is we are continuing this narrative that abortion is a moral issue. And I think that's the thing that we as a party and, and we as, as a people... And that as a moral issue, he's opposed to and, it. And, well, and no, there's something wrong with it? Yes. So what they're saying is, well, abortion is morally bad, but it's a, it's a necessary evil. Let's call it. Like, I think that's sort of their stance, right? It's a necessary evil. In a perfect world, none of us would want abortions, of course. Like, we don't, we don't, we're not pro more abortions. We're pro making sure my body is roughly in the area that I want it to be vis-a-vis human in my womb. Um, but the problem is when we keep doing rhetoric like this, this Tim King, this Connor Lamb, this, oh, I, uh, I would never get an abortion. But if, if you need an abortion, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. It's, but I will judge you. Uh, but I will <laughs> judge you. It, it's, it's a garbage <laughs> rhetoric. And it's this way of having it both ways. It really mm-hmm. is. It's a way so, of. So you're saying the pro-life people who are criticizing Connor Lamb kind of have a point. Yeah. A hundred percent they have a point. And God, you know, it's hard for me to say that. (laughs) So I think, yes, I understand. I think this purity test thing can be dangerous. But part of me is like, yeah, no, get them the fuck out of here. Like, I don't if I don't need your garbage opinions about my abortion or my period or my IUD. I don't need that from you. I need you to defend my rights. I appreciate it right now. Fine, because I need that vote. It's better yes. than the alternative. Yes. But down the line, I hope you get primaried out at some point. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> the Battle of the Bulge. Like, we're just, like, eking our way into, like, the culture, and eventually we're going to lose the stragglers. Listen, Battle of the Bulge wasn't my best metaphor, maybe because I don't <laughs> necessarily know exactly how it happened. I do know it was in World War II, and my teacher drew a thing on it on my uh-huh. whiteboard. But... It's it's just one of those things of like this isn't my dream cast of Congress, but yeah, would I would I rather a Connor Lamb who ugh, I'm not crazy about everything that he says, but I believe that he will vote in my best interest. Mm-hmm. Would I rather him over Al Mike Pence, who's, yeah, or Rick Saccone, who we beat, or right. anyone like that? Right. Uh, fair enough. That that changes my mind on that a little bit. I so, changed your mind? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so proud. Uh, let me bring up this. Did you see last week tonight with John Oliver and oh, the I, Mike Pence segment? Yeah, I have something on uh, that. Here's the one thing oh, I want to bring. I'm sorry. I've seen uh, most yeah. of it. I was trying to watch it, and then some asshole shows up my yeah, door, yeah, yeah. wants to record with me, and I'm uh-huh. like, I have five minutes left of this, this segment. This is when you were watching it. It's been like a week. Okay. I have a job. <laughs> What else? I have two babies. I found a way to ignore them and watch the segment. <laughs> All right. So oh, the one God, thing I want to bring up. So he did anymore. the whole, he did his long sleep three minutes a night. That is true. Sometimes when um, I am you in the morning, I'm like, is he still up or is he up already? That's a good question. It could <laughs> never be know. both. I never know. Go ahead. <laughs> the one thing he said, so he did the, if you didn't watch the show, he did a very long segment on Mike Pence and his conservative views. He's a garbage monster. Uh, yes. And one of the things he brought up is that Mike Pence... At one point when he was running for Congress, alluded to the idea that he supports gay conversion therapy. But he phrased it extremely carefully. Yeah, it was kind of vague. It was like money should go to people who, to support people who want to change their sexuality. Because like, yeah, Mike Pence, (laughs) that's Indiana's biggest problem. You fucking nailed it. It's corn and gay people. (laughs) I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just, it's late. I'm getting slap happy. It's all right. So, uh... 
the thing is, Mike Pence hasn't really gone on the record of really saying. He tries to avoid the question whenever you ask him about hey, it. Hey, hey, Hammond, yeah. really quick, name an opinion Mike Pence has. Uh, Donald Trump is the greatest man who ever lived. And That's... he has Lego hair. Those are two opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question, though. Here's what John Oliver said. Mike Pence may claim that he did not and does not support gay conversion therapy, but he very much supports those who do support it. And what they meant by that is Mike Pence doesn't really talk about it. He, he'll say, no, I don't support gay conversion therapy. But then he speaks at like Focus on the Family events. And he says James Dobson, the founder of Focus on the Family, is a mentor. And Focus on the Family is this evangelical Christian and bigoted like, organization. And here's, where I wanna, <sighs> here's what I want to mention. Focus... Uh, under James Dobson uh -huh. was vehemently anti-gay. Like they were part of that uh, anti-gay push in like a decade ago, right? Yeah. That is what they're known for. Fine. So Mike Pence loves Focus on the Family. He yeah. loves what they do, even though they do conversion therapy. Here's what was interesting this week. After this Mike Pence piece came out, uh -huh. um, and I hope everyone bought that bunny book because hilarious. I haven't had time because I couldn't <laughs> get to the link at the end of the video. Oh, finish it when I leave. Um, <laughs> Focus on the Family has a new president uh, for several years now. His name is Jim Daly. He put out, basically, he sent an email to his mailing list, mm -hmm. of which I'm on, because why not? And basically, here's like, the question uh, that they sent in the teaser. Nightmare yeah. His teaser was like, reporters and commentators have alleged that Focus on the Family has practiced and endorsed so-called gay conversion therapy. Is that true? You know, no, click the link to find out. it's not gay conversion therapy. It's coaxing <laughs> boys into vaginas. Yes. Am I doing good I, with words? I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> but basically, I read that teaser and I'm like, oh, he's going to find a way to say, no, we don't. So they're lying to you, mainstream media fake news. Like, we don't support gay conversion <laughs> therapy. And here's what he literally said in the article. For the record, we at Focus do not advocate for any therapy that, quote, requires uh, or promises categorical change or sexual conversion. Lol. Well... Okay, God. just because you don't say you have to change or that we promised you're going to change. No, because they frame it as you want to change. Right. We're helping you change. Right. We're the real heroes. That's exactly it. That's what they do. But they were like, well, we don't do electrical shock therapy. Yeah, that's inhumane. That's inhumane. We just say if you want to change your sexual orientation, we will help you through that. Ugh. That's what we're talking about. Oh that's not how gay works. <laughs> um. So basically, he gave this long response about, look, they're, all this, the media is wrong about all this stuff. Say we don't do to Mikey. Mikey's going Hello, to bed. Mikey. Good night, Mikey. Love you. Uh, we don't do any of the stuff that the mainstream media accuses us of. Yeah. As they explain that they totally do all this Th that's stuff. That's exactly the what they explain. do. So John but, Oliver but, was right that Mike Pence supports a group that yeah. supports gay conversion therapy. Yep, I just yep, want to yep. get that out of the way. Uh, so, oh, and he... So essentially, John Oliver's bit was that uh, Pence's daughter released a book about their rabbit named Marlon Marlon Bundo, yep. which is fucking great. It's such a good name. <laughs> um, and so she this this bunny visited Focus on the Family, and they're like, his daughter wrote this book, which I know this is like a really shitty thing. We're like, that girl did not write any book. Like they slapped <laughs> her name on that. I'm sorry. And that was Karen really Pence, mean. Mike Pence's wife, did the illustrations. Mother Pence. Mm, Mother Pence. She prefers. Um, 
And so he released another one about how Marlon Bundo is definitely gay and has a bow tie. Um, <laughs> and he was trying to get gay married, but then the evil stink bug tries to stop them from getting gay See, married. See, I didn't make it that time. Oh, that's good. So, um, so this brings me to a gentleman named uh, Gary Varville. Go on. Uh, he wrote uh, an op-ed piece for the Indie Star in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, my former... Uh, state of residence always doing me proud. So he's super mad because Christians are being oppressed. Oh, really? How are they being oppressed? Yeah, I'm going to run through this quickly because there's not like anything new. It's just the same sort of garbage. Um, so here's the things he's mad at. Uh, one, he's mad at Jim Carrey because <laughs> Jim Carrey made a portrait of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. He didn't use her name in that picture, but everyone knew who it was in the picture. Because it was actually a very good painting. It looked just mm-hmm. like her. Um, and he called her, he called her a, quote, so-called Christian because she lies for the wicked. <laughs> Jim Carrey with the shade. Yeah, right? I mean, he's wrong about vaccines, but that was not bad. And is he Christian? I don't know. I don't know. I've never known I him f- as a religious no, dude. No, I have neither. Just Quick sidebar. Irrational. Did you see the documentary about like the behind the scenes filming of him doing Man on the Moon? No. So you know Man on the Moon? Have you the seen The Andy Kaufman one. Yes. Um, no, the, I haven't seen Because of course y- I have You're aware of its existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they have a small, uh, a, docu- a small, a regular length, I guess, documentary on Netflix of just like all the behind the scenes shit that they, um, that they filmed for that. And at the time, the studio wouldn't... They wanted to make a documentary that kind of, like, came out alongside it of just, like, Jim's transformation into Andy Kaufman. And the studio wouldn't release it because they're like, he comes off like a fucking dick and we want them to like our dude. And they're like, no, what are you talking about? We're going to release it now. And holy shit, it made me so deeply uncomfortable to watch. So they have not only behind-the-scenes stuff of, of Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman behind the scenes, which he was like... Full in character, twenty four seven, and then also interviews with Jim Carrey now talking about his experience and how he would like go up to Andy Kaufman's relatives as Andy Kaufman. It was deeply uncomfortable for me (laughs) to watch. Anyway, so Jim Carrey's not my favorite human. I did like Ace Ventura: Bat Detective as a child. He has some what about this? Okay, so wait. Why is Indiana oppressed the Christians in oh, Indiana? Oh, well, so he's mad at... He's, so he's mad at... Car- well, he's mad at Hollywood in general because Hollywood is anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a quote um, about the aforementioned Oliver segment. Um, Gary said, quote, with dripping sarcasm, Oliver said, it turned out in a complete coincidence, we also wrote a, wrote a book about Mike Pence's rabbit what? that has also been published. He pointed out this rabbit differed that his rabbit different from Pence's. In Oliver's book, Marlon Bundo is gay and wants to marry another male bunny. Question. Do you think Oliver would have attacked a Muslim for having the same beliefs? (laughs) No, because a Muslim wouldn't be in charge. Like... Ding, ding, ding. Um, He also said, it's not just comedians. Like, how dare you punch up when you could be punching way, way down? (laughs) Uh, It's not just comedians who show their disdain for Christians. After Trump tapped uh, Larry Kudlow... Mm-hmm. To be his economic advisor, Stephanie Rule of MSNBC said, if you notice when Larry Kudlow spoke at CNBC yesterday, he ended by saying, however, thing wor- however things work out, it will be God's will. <laughs> then she added incredulously, that's an interesting way to talk about being the national economic advisor to the president, <laughs> God's will. And this dude is so <laughs> mad that she said that, even though it was like very good shade that Stephanie she threw. Stephanie Rule's awesome. 
Yeah, no, she's very cool. Um, so he said, if left unchallenged, how far will religious intolerance go? Will biblical principles be banned as hate speech? That's what happened in the United Kingdom in 2017. Gordon Lamore, 42, a Christian evangelist, was accused of a hate crime and jailed after... T- this is definitely not sw- slanted and definitely uh-huh. exactly how that happened. After telling the story of Adam and Eve to a 19-year-old who asked him about God's views on homosexuality. Yeah, I'm going to guess I, there's more to it than no, that. No, I don't think so. I mm. think he nailed it. Uh, Travis Weber, uh, director of the Sen- Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council, said, quote, while free speech law in the United States is relatively stronger than that of Canada and Western Europe... We cannot relax our vigilance. Laws perpetually only several steps behind culture, and as our prevailing culture, norms only increasingly demand only, quote, correct speech be permitted. The law won't be far behind. So this guy's (laughs) definitely concerned that Christians are going to be illegal in a minute or whatever. Like That's never, how it works. Never mind that every <laughs> president ever has been Christian and 90 zillion percent of our representatives are Christian. It's defo going to be illegal because oh, yeah. that's how laws do. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, there was a poll that was taken by a group called Morning Consult. And what they wanted to do is to figure out who is the most influential endorser Me. when it comes to politics. Me, Jessica. Yes. You're not on the list. What? Yeah. Really? Um, so like, for I'm example, they said, atheist. if you're a Democrat, who's the most and influential voice uh, who would actually persuade you to vote for a particular candidate and who would be least likely or who, if they told you you should vote for this person, you would run in the other direction. Oh, okay. so not surprisingly, like if Barack Obama said you should vote for somebody, if. Democrats are like, yeah, fine, I'll probably vote for that person. If Donald Trump says it, you're not going to go in that direction. But they also broke it down because they asked you, they broke down the answers by like your religion and things like that. Okay. So for evangelicals specifically, Who's the, this is what I found interesting. Who's the most trusted, most trusted celebrity endorsement? Who's green light would make you say, all right, I'll vote for whoever you tell me to vote for. So what is that Billy Graham, but he's. He was not on the list. And I think it's because they published this after he's dead. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I want to guess. So who's the most influential Christian for evangelicals? For (sighs) evangelicals. Is it like a Joel Osteen type? Joel Osteen was number eight okay. on the list. Okay, I can do better than this then. Um, and it was God, like a worst like... family feud game right now. <laughs> Wait, who's like a long-standing mm, congressman who's evangelical? Am I close? No. Is it a, okay? This is the best game I've ever played. Is it yeah. a celebrity? Is it it's somebody in politics? So. Not necessarily. The question is just whose opinion of you should vote for this person would be most meaningful if you were an evangelical Christian. So is number Joel one... Joel Osteen, number eight. So is number one a person in... Uh, not answering Pat that because... No, thankfully. Oh. His name was not on the list at all. So is this person in politics? <clears throat> yes. Okay. I will tell you this. Hillary Clinton's vote of endorsement uh-huh. would... Send evangelicals would vote in the other direction. Well, yeah, she's surprise, surprise. Uh, strangely, Kim Kardashian was number two in the I'm gonna vote the opposite of what you tell me to vote. Hey, cool, it's 2011 <laughs> and we're paying attention to Kim Kardashian. Right. Good job, society. Now, here's what I found interesting number one most trusted endorsement for evangelicals, for evangelicals Trump. Okay, what? he's I get it, he's president, he's famous. That's probably why. I definitely but woke up my just to be well. clear. Donald Trump's endorsement means more, more influential for evangelicals. Number two, Mike Pence. 
just think about this for a second. I'm sorry, that's factually untrue. Because look <laughs> at Roy Moore and look at Sacconi. Sacone? Sacone. Sacone. Evangelicals were just outmatched by other people. So they might have been, they might have said, oh, Donald Trump supports him. The evangelicals did vote for Roy Moore. I think what? He got uh, 80%, Roy Moore did, 80% of the evangelical vote. He just got beaten by other people who weren't happy, by the white evangelicals, I should say. Hmm. But he was just... I think black it's a evangelicals. We have to make for the rest of our it lives. really is. Black evangelicals did not vote for Roy Moore. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of other religious people did not, and obviously Democrats and non-religious Donald people did not. Trump. Donald Trump was number one again. Just to be clear, for evangelicals, Mike Pence, who is one of their guys, who is evangelical to the core, yeah. number two. Donald Trump, the guy who doesn't do any of the evangelical stuff you're supposed to do and, like, is the worst albatross to have around your neck as an evangelical, he's number one. Cool. Um, Just to finish off some of the other people, George W. Bush's endorsement would be number three. Paul Ryan, who may be the closest to Congress. Barack Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were next on the list. Really? Yeah, and I think the reason is they did not separate white evangelicals from all other evangelicals. So when you include black evangelicals in the mix, yeah. They're shocking. And not white evangelicals. Like, yeah, the Obamas have sway there too. Uh, Barack and Michelle Obama also made the not good endorsement list for evangelicals. (laughs) Hashtag white people. (laughs) Uh, Here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, For atheists, agnostics, and other non-religious people in the none category, who is the number one endorser? Who is the most trusted endorsement for nuns? Is it Obama? Uh, The answer was... Hemant Mehta. No, you were right. It was Obama. It was Obama? Uh, Okay. Barack Obama was number one. Michelle Obama was number two. Nice. And I was surprised by number three. Wait, let me guess. You get one guess. Uh, fuck. Um, Gabby Giffords? <laughs> no. Gifford, one, one. Also no. Okay, tell me. Bernie Sanders. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. That's, I was honestly, surprised because I, guess, I, I imagine he would... garbage. He, he would influence, I thought, maybe a certain segment, but I didn't realize no, overall he was no, I so think big Bernie among Sa- I think Bernie Sanders right now is occupy- occupying a really good yeah. spot in that, like... He's an influencer, but not necessarily going to be. I was also really curious. You mentioned him earlier. I wonder where Billy Graham would have ended up on this list. Because I don't know that but he would have been Billy number Graham one. did Graham make a... He wasn't a political guy. He was did non... he ever make it his business to support anybody no. in particular? Or did he just show up at the White House and whoever Showed was up at the White House, whoever was there was his boy. He did not take sides, at least publicly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like his son does now. Uh, I genuinely don't know that he would have been number one on the list, though. I think he's one of no, those, like, so he's either. like a book you have on your shelf that, like, you like to have it there, but you don't actually read it. Uh-huh. I think a lot of Christians might have been like, oh, yeah, if Billy Graham says it, I'll follow him. Sure. But, like, in practice. But you're not going to pick him up. And not really. Ask him. Um, I did want to bring up uh, one quick story that I hear some good news of all the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Richard Dawkins announced this week. Uh, here's the backstory you need to know to make this make sense. Uh-huh. The God Delusion is the best-selling atheist book, most likely, uh, of all time. Three million copies, according to whatever media reports, three million copies of The God Delusion have been sold. But a PDF, like, pirated version of the book, written, translated in Arabic, has been downloaded and going around Islamic parts of the world. Really? A lot. Cool. Um, I don't know how you really measure how many times a PDF travels everywhere, but... Can you? uh, He said, 
reports, whatever reports those are, have put it at like 13 million, one, three, 13 million downloads. Wow. Again, I don't know how you measure that, but whatever. It's been floating around for a while. <clears throat> um, but that's, he doesn't care. He's like, good, because they're not getting my book any other way, really. Um, and, and good for him to be like, yeah, no, like fucking have it. Oh, yeah. He's like, go ahead, pirate it, go. <laughs> but uh, who wants to be the Arabic translator for the God Delusion? That's a dangerous job right there. Yikes, yeah. Uh, but there is an Arabic translation. It's just you don't want to be caught with it. So if there's a pirated version, you could just delete the file. Fine. So here's what's interesting. Um, based on that fact that it's been going around the Islamic world and, you know, because it's hard to get these books in the hands, his, all of his science books too, in the hands of people who kind of really need to read it because Uh they're oppressed by religion in other ways. Yeah. Um, the center for inquiry, which merged with his Richard Dawkins foundation, not that long ago, they are planning to release several of his books for free translated in those other languages. Wow. And specifically, we are talking, um, I just want to make sure I have all this. They're going to translate books in Arabic, Urdu, Farsi, and Indonesian. Wow. uh, Where you can't, and only if there's not already a sanctioned translation being sold, Mm -hmm. because that's a copyright issue. But if no one's picked up on those books, they're going to provide them for free for anyone to download in those languages. Um, Not necessarily the God Delusion, again, because... There is already a sanctioned Arabic copy of it. So, like, pirate away. Right. But he's not going to make that one available in Arabic. But, like, his science books that are amazing, those will be available soon. I don't know when. But uh, he seemed really excited about it. Uh, when the report came out, uh, we I emailed, like, to get some mm-hmm. data on this. He wrote back, like, the reports are all wrong. They're, they have all this misinformation because the headlines were like, he's going to offer the God delusion for free in Arabic. That's not the case uh, yeah. at all. But he said other books will be made available in multiple languages, not just Arabic, uh-huh. very soon. Um, and that's an awesome, that good. That's good. good. And honestly, good on him. to me, yeah, it, I feel like in this instance, he's really walking the walk. Yeah. Of yeah, I, he won't get any royalties for that stuff. Yeah, because like say what you will about Dawkins, he's definitely imperfect. But like this is absolutely so in line with with sort of the mission of most kind of global atheists of get get information to as many people yeah. as possible and, again, and let them not do even with, a, with it what they will. Yeah, it's not even the remember, it's not just the God delusion. It's like the river out of it's River Out of Eden. It's his book of essays about science and how beautiful it is. I wonder if they'll it's do, evolution books. I wonder if they'll do the greatest show on earth. Uh they might. I don't know. He hasn't released a book. name of which books he's going to do. Uh, but I, I love that story. I'm so excited that he's That's doing really that. great. That makes me super um, happy. I do have one more I I'm not going to spend forever on this, even though I could. But okay. there's a book. I want to say 20 minutes before you came over, you're like, I'm going to do my best to scrape together a couple stories. You know, these are all stories I've written about over the course of the week. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I guess I'm the only there. one doing research. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a book that came out this week. I was very excited when I heard about this book because I'm like, oh, it's, it's a guy arguing against atheism. It's okay. being put out by a popular publisher. So it's like, well, it's going to be, it's going to get some attention. And then I got an advanced copy of the book and I started reading it and I'm like, Oh, this is, I hate this book. Not because, <laughs> not because say, it says my beliefs are wrong, but because there's no substance. Here's oh, the, the thing. way I hate <clears throat> Christian movies, not because yeah, Christianity, but like stereotypes and 
Strawman's? Yeah, Strawman, Strawman, all the way through. So the author is Anthony DiStefano. His book is called Inside the Atheist Mind. I have one of those. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually surprised he acknowledged that atheists have minds in the title. <laughs> Take that. But let me read you a couple of the... Here's the reason we... I hate this. They published an excerpt on foxnews.com. So Wait, you know, really? Yeah. On the day of the book's release this week, I'll start you off. There's no polite way to say it. Atheists today are the most arrogant, <laughs> ignorant, and dangerous people on earth. Arrogant and ignorant on foxnews.com. And dangerous. And dangerous. How are I'm, we dangerous? I was very curious to learn know. how we were dangerous and arrogant. His examples then, because then he starts oh, listing I examples. I'm so happy to be here right now. Uh, <laughs> this is my happy place. Uh, these pompous prigs Ooh. get offended by the slightest bit of religious imagery in public and mortified if even a whisper of Merry Christmas escapes the lips of some well-meaning but naive department store clerk during the, quote, holiday season. Yeah, I mean, do you know how many department store clerks I had to beat up this Christmas yeah. season? Yeah. It was exhausting. I didn't want to do it, but I had to. It's bullshit because prig? no one goes to a department store, so that <laughs> couldn't even happen. Um, here's how else we know horrible atheists are. Last December, he says, the group American Atheists launched its annual billboard campaign with the slogan, stay away from church. It's all fake news. Which, one, that was funny. Two, It was like, my favorite slogan, who, but yeah. Who cares? Why is that dangerous? Why is that bad? It's like, all right, you disagree with it. They're poking fun at your faith. Uh-huh. Whatever. Like, that's, it's funny <laughs> or it's not funny, but it's not evil. Um, well, he went, it's not even. He went on. In February, the quote, American Humanist Association became furious. I'm sorry. They was put it Americans in quotes. Was American, no, the whole thing. American uh, Human Association. Loved that. He put that in quotes for reasons I don't get. Why do you need the group's name in quotations? That is their name. Uh, to be fair, he could just also be very bad at grammar. Nah. It, they became furious when President Trump had the gall to mention Christianity and Jesus Christ without also mentioning atheists at the National Prayer Breakfast. How dare he? Here's the thing. Trump only mentioned Jesus and Christianity. He didn't even mention the existence of other religions except in a passive sort of way. They're not his base. And even Obama mentioned that there are people who don't hold religious beliefs when he gave that speech. Yeah. So like, And they weren't furious. They just called him out on it. Um, a couple other well, things. I was probably furious. Uh, DiStefano goes on to say, like, yes, these atheists are loud, nasty, unapologetic and in your face. Those are all true. Maybe. Yes. Um, That's my next cross stitch. What was it? Loud, <laughs> nasty, unapologetic, in your face. And in your face. Somebody come at me. I'm going to cross stitch <laughs> that for you. Um, and he also, here's why we're arrogant. Atheists believe that the vast majority of human beings from all periods of time and all places on the earth have been wrong about the thing most important to them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, you know who else thinks evangelical Christians are wrong? Everyone else right before you. Like every religious group thinks every other religious group is wrong just because <laughs> all the rest of them believe in a God or gods or whatever. God. Doesn't mean you're all on the same team. <sighs> Yeah, that's the thing is, like, <coughs> when you say, like, oh, you believe everybody was wrong before you. But, like, yeah, we believe that about almost everything else. <laughs> like, yeah. when we figured out germ theory, we were like, oh, I guess wind isn't making people <laughs> sick as much as it's, like, microbes. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Um, he goes on to give a list of, like, there were scientists who were Christian. It's like, yep, no one denied that ever. Sure are. And, um, and there's a lot and more who are. still are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
this guy writes this. And I then, love of course, this guy. I want to read this book. It's so bad. It goes on to say, like, where does he get the dangerous bit? It's that it's oh. the old Mao and Stalin and Pol Pot killed oh, all these people. Christ on a fucking like, They crutch. did not kill people saying, like, God doesn't exist. Stab, stab. That's not how it okay, worked. Okay, didn't speak for my people. Nah. <laughs> um, and then he says, of <laughs> course, Adolf Hitler was an atheist. Everyone knows that. That's odd. not true. Um, <laughs> and my favorite bit, like, that's exactly what modern day atheists are. Bullies. Bullies who are doing their best to intimidate the rest of us into silence, said the guy with the book deal who just released a book and published an excerpt on foxnews.com. Also, you can tell that Hammond's a bully because he lightly, like, pounded, like, <laughs> touched his fist on my kitchen table. He couldn't even bring himself to, like, give me a... It's just a gentle burn. Don't mock my evil fist. Um... So that book came out, Inside the Atheist Mind. It's very short because... I was going to say, it's a long because I might have to read this shit. And I'm on my Goodreads challenge and I have to read like 25 books this year and I'm behind. If you're you're listening to this, here's what you should do. You can go to Amazon, go look at Inside the Atheist Mind and preview the book and just look at the table of contents. That's it. I want to read it. Just look at the table of contents because it's hilarious. I want to read it so bad. Oh, okay. So... Is that everything I had? That's everything I had. That's more uh, than a enough. A thing happened. Oh, so I, I That's said... That's enough for me. Yeah, no, I still have shit to say. Go, yes. No, just quickly, um, the inefficient kitchen um, at Rick... William oh, right. S- Questions. Rick Williams, PGA. No, he, um, they just tweeted me, like, literally, as I was, like, frantically searching for news stories, they tweeted me about this thing about... Tennessee schools are trying to get them to do and God we trust. I don't know. It's like the same fucking garbage we've right. talked about for years. Anyway, I really appreciate you sending this, sending it our way. Fuck those people. But Tennessee, not the tweeters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take it as what you will. Um, so now I'm on to listener mail. That yes. was all the news based garbage I had. <clears throat> so, um, question from a listener. So if you want to, um, uh, FriendlyAtheistPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for Boom. keeping me on track. Uh, this is an origin story type of question. Hemant, what motivated you to go from math teacher to famous in the, quote, godless heathen world blogger? Jessica, how did you become a writer for The Friendly Atheist? And for both, has there ever been any fallout from being openly atheist, whether online or in real life? Um, parentheses, I live in a small Arkansas town, and I understand it's easier in the city, but I imagine there are still some less than open-minded people uh, people around, be it coworkers, acquaintances, online strangers, etc. Love the show, Tracy T. Thanks, Tracy. As we discussed on the show, I have no friends, so the fallout <laughs> has been minimal. Has been minimal. Um, my family, we don't talk about religion, uh-huh. but we are on good terms because we don't talk about religion. Well, but they'll passive aggressively. They like your human children. They like <laughs> the human grandbabies, so they're like, "We'll teach the babies prayer," and I'm like, "Are you babysitting them? I but don't wait, care. Do you they? can teach them Scientology. I don't care." Yes. Do your kids have to brush off the chair before they sit down? That's a Jane thing, right? They, it is kind of a Jane thing. They don't do that, but they've said some of the mantras and things like that. And uh, I'm just like, are my parents watching the babies? I don't care. Cool. Do whatever you want. Are they feeding them and keeping them alive? <clears throat> yes. Great. Uh, to answer that first question, how did I leave teaching? Here's the deal. I did the blog as a hobby for many, many years mm-hmm. with making no money. Um, then there are some ways you can always monetize anything online. And I did that for a little while and it's fine, but it's, it's a hobby. Um, and then at some point, as I was teaching, the blog got bigger. 
uh, Patheos came along and said, you know, we'll pay you if you write for us instead of doing it on your own. But Patheos came along, what, 2011? Um, yeah, several years after I had been blogging. Um, and again, it was, it was a hobby. And at some point, it's like, eh, if you give me 10 more hours in a day where I'm not teaching and I could focus on the website alone, mm-hmm. I think I could and almost if I, transition. And, and if, if I have and a it, wife who's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the reason. Uh, but but uh, the reason we were like, um, you know what? We don't have any kids at the moment. It's worth taking a chance for a year or two, and let's see if I can float. Wait, this happened before your oldest was born? Yeah. And we're like, take a chance. Let's take a chance now. Let's see if I can make it work. And if it doesn't work, I can go back to teaching because my certif- uh, certificate's still good. Um, and then it, it worked. Um, so I was fortunate because I don't think a lot of bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters sure. have that opportunity. So it's one of those... I did it as a hobby for a long time, found a way to monetize it, but like it worked and that doesn't always work. Do you, do you have like thoughts of long term? Like, obviously we're going to do this podcast until the heat death of the universe. Right. Um, how long will I blog? I Um, I mean, do you, I thought about it. Do you ever see yourself like stepping away and going back to like the nine to five grind? Not teaching. I don't know what I would do. Well, you don't like humans or human children. Right. So I don't know. Um, I don't know that the blogging is going to be around forever because I keep seeing all the other blogs that are like run by professional companies and sure. they're shuttering the blogs. And like I see those writers who I love and they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And hopefully they can transition to another career in that area. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, the blogs are going away. And so I look, I re- and I've seen this with YouTube too. There are a lot of YouTubers I really like, but YouTube changes an algorithm and now no one makes YouTube money talking mm-hmm. about atheism. And I've seen them disappear or talk about other things too. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, there goes that too. So I, I'm sure it'll happen for me too. At that point, I'll have to find something else to do. I don't know what that That's is yet. That's a stone cold bummer, my friend. It's, you know what? It's not a bummer. I'm so lucky to be doing all this yes. stuff. But I'm like, I know it's temporary. It's not going to last forever because I see it not lasting forever for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I can while I have the opportunity. there are people who've made their living not even doing this kind of thing yeah. and blogging, but like public speaking and things like that. That's not... That's true. I don't like... I'm not that sort of speaker, though. I don't know. I'm not as controversial as the ones who could do this all the time everywhere and like... You should get, get a protests. TED Talk. Yeah. I'll just talk to the people and make that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, T- call Ted. This is, a, this is not me being a bummer. This is just me. Look, realistically, most blogs are not around anymore. I'm yeah. sure something. But I here's why I appreciate Patheos. Like they actually have a team that's professional and knows what they're doing. Yeah, and like they're but, good and dedicated. So but I don't love you think working. There's definitely for them. a space for yeah. news aggregators for a specific interest group. Um, no, no, less so. Really? Like you're saying like, you know, there's a niche for an audience that wants news about atheism, just like there might be. An, but like you would think that would apply to sports, too. Like there's got to be a niche for like the Chicago Cubs beat reporter. And then I see like, oh, even the Tribune laid off their beat reporters. Yeah, but it's like, that's man. a different like, listen, me looking at a guy like icing his elbow for the third day in a row is not the same as like. Right atrocities committed in the name of God. I Look, I know a lot of bloggers who do different niche yeah. sort of blogging, and most of them have other jobs. Yeah, I guess um, also, I feel like maybe Gawker <clears throat> shuddering was sort of the beginning of the end <laughs> of that. Yeah, and a lot of other sites have gone down after that, too. And look, 
I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast probably listen to other atheist podcasts or follow other atheists or, or LGBT writers or mm-hmm. feminist writers or whatever. And I guess the question I would ask is how many of the people that you read, that you listen to, that you follow, how many of them do it full time? My guess is it's not that many because I follow a lot of I them mean, too. No podcaster. I you know what I mean? Very, very few, few podcasters. Um, so again, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, wow, I'm lucky to be blogging and being able to make it work. Yeah. It's probably not going to last forever because not everyone does it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'll do something. I don't know what, but yeah, I hope I don't have to think about that yet. No, yeah. I, I mean, I think we're extraordinarily lucky. I mean, you're singularly lucky, but you and I are both very lucky to be in the position that we are, that... That not because we started the podcast very much on a whim and and as a way of like there's no way we can make build it into a schedule because like yes we podcast once a week and it requires total what three hours of commitment of like researching traveling right and the research is what I do anyway because I'm writing the post so when so I when we're researching separately. it's like which I'm stories very, are we talking about yeah so um. But, but like three hours a week when you have two human children and now I'm working They're sitting in the time. car, by the way. They're waiting oh for this God, time. Did you crack the window? It's really cold oh, out. I Should I go send Dottie in there? She, nah, she they'll be fine. Okay. Um, you know, like we both have shit going on right. in our lives. But I do hope that, I and I think we will. The fact that we live close to each other is very helpful. Yeah, that helps. That was a fucking game changer. Boom. Like, because I almost moved to Evanston. This podcast would have been dead if I moved to Evanston. <laughs> the drive from here to Evanston is the fucking night. Oh, wait. I want to talk about me. Um, hey, when did you start writing? Jessica, how did you... Put- okay, so <clears throat> here's the thing. It's the least romantic story of how I... Do you remember it no, all? No. I was going to say I have no idea how I even met you. <laughs> Versus well, okay, much less t- writing for the website. I will tell you how I how I met you is Mikey recognized you when we went to the reason rally. We, okay. So back in the day, uh, so I used to, before I wrote for, before I was in any way affiliated with friendly atheist, like brand, I read it every day. Cause I was sort of, uh, I wasn't necessarily new atheist, but I was new, like into the, like getting into it. And I think most of us who have kind of taken a step towards a little more like, political involvement have their year or so where like all they do is read everything they can about like evil Christians, like murdering, whatever. Um, and so I would, when I was on my couch, I would always have the friendly atheist blog open. And in those days, Hammond's face was on the blog. God, I'm glad that we changed that. <laughs> um, and so we, I had emailed you a couple of times in a very like casual reader way. And I think I asked you some but I mentioned that I was going to the Reason Rally, and you're like, oh, you know, I hope to see you there. And a, again, a very like, hey, kid, like, <laughs> <laughs> see you in every way. So anyway, Mikey and I were in D.C. at the Reason Rally in 2012, and Mikey just elbows me. He's like, don't I see his face all the time on your computer? And you were walking by, <laughs> and I shook her hand. I was like, hi, I'm Jessica, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um... God, a couple, not even that long later, maybe a couple months later, you put out a call and just said, I need more writers. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was working for the Chicago Tribune. I was making $12 an hour placing classified <laughs> ads, having people from like Orlando and Newport News, Virginia yell at me all the time. Living the dream. Living the dream. But because it was an inbound call center where I worked, <laughs> you had like a little bit of downtime. Yeah. So, haven't put out a call for writers and I, you know, I said I was interested. You asked me for a couple pieces and I had just watched, um, inherit the wind. Okay. The scopes monkey trial, the scopes monkey trial movie. And so I wrote kind of a 
synthesis of that and some and, and another piece. I don't remember what it was. And you're like, yeah, you seem regular. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and and I just started writing. And honestly, like in those days, I was, you know, making twelve bucks an hour in 2012 in Chicago, and I had just moved in with Mikey. And like, it, were it not for the additional income I had for Friendly Atheist, like I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> and it was it was like a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Um, but By yeah, the way, it was the way I find a lot of writers nowadays because I haven't I don't put out the calls necessarily, but like I I read a lot of blogs. If you uh, pitch me like, hey. I have a blog here. Yeah. I'll subscribe to it. I'll check it out. And that's kind of how I found a lot of the writers that I work with now. Yeah. I mean, and it was super fortuitous. It was very much a a million and a million and one odds, right? Because not only was I a decent writer and was had the time that you needed somebody to commit, but I was living in Chicago. Hammond was living in Naperville at the time. And I think like even before I started writing for the blog, do you remember you called me and you're like, I have extra tickets to a baseball to a Cubs game. Do you want to come? That sounds about Do right. Do you remember that? It was you, me, Mikey, and somebody else. Oh, it was else a friend of mine. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and we, we like saw sat, a game. We sat in the bleachers. That was fun. And, I And it was that. the first time I'd met you besides that. And, and no I hadn't kidding. even started writing. And you were like, because at that time you were like, I want people writing about sports and atheism. Oh, or yeah. I want feminism and atheism. Or yeah. like you want niches. And you're like, so what are you going to write about? I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just wrote about whatever. And honestly, the the portfolio I kind of built through the Friendly Atheist thing is how I got my job with uh, with a content marketing company. And it's how I've been able to work as a, like I'm in marketing now, so I'm not like an author. But it's creativity but sort of it's thing. It's creativity, and, and it was my ability to to work as a writer. So That's I, awesome. realistically, I owe Hemant a whole lot. I'm not making eye contact when I say that because Excellent. I'm not comfortable with gratitude. I own you. Um, <laughs> how fucking dare you? <laughs> I've put so much wine in you. <laughs> you have. Um, has there ever been any fallout from being open, uh, openly atheist, whether online or real life? Um, I, if, I, if it happened to me, I've been lucky that it hasn't really, like, they haven't told me they're not my friend. Maybe they unfriended me on Facebook and I haven't noticed. Yeah, I super um, agree. But for the most part, the people I'm super close with, we're super close for reasons that don't have anything to do with atheism or the blog. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that didn't affect anything. But again... I've been lucky in that sense that I have relationships on other things before mm-hmm. the blog and I'm still close to those people. So it yeah. didn't really create some fallout with like my religious community. Cause it's not like I was super tight with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people I knew from the temple growing up, we're friends now, but it's not cause of that, you know? Right. So it's, it's like, we have other things yeah, um, to hang off of. So that this has definitely been a thing that I have thought about and like really because like how many things influence your life that you have no idea so Mm -hmm. like on the one hand i definitely got my first job as like in the marketing writing space because of my work on friendly atheists but i was also unemployed on and off for what from january 2016 up until this week (laughs) (laughs) and and, like, yeah, I had some temp gigs in there. But, like, who knows how many jobs I did not get because they, you know, they found this podcast right. and heard me swearing or whatever. So I really don't – I really have no idea. But but I will say this, and I'm going to transition smoothly because I'm a professional broadcaster into our happy thing of the week. Um, 
is that I like I've I just started my job. I've only been here for been there for four days. Um, but I have spent the last God, I'm 32 now. I started looking for professional work when I was 23. So I spent the last nine years having garbage jobs and taking jobs as stopgaps and being miserable all day, every day at work. And I found a job that I think I am good at and I think I'll be happy at for the long term. And the people are nice and I just want to... It seems like such a long time and it was such a long time, but I am so grateful for all of the bumps that went along because I even when I was unemployed and making zero money and really really struggling and stressed out because of it I I didn't want to and my husband was very encouraging of like not taking just whatever job comes up just to get a job I'm very lucky that I got in a lot of ways the job I've always wanted it's in the nonprofit space it's in the stem space it's with nice people it's all women in my office, which is fucking <laughs> fresh as hell. Anyway, th- there's been two birthdays this week. I've had birthday cake two <laughs> days this week. I've been at work four days. This place That's is a good place. fucking great. Anyway, so I'm just lucky and grateful and happy and relieved. Oh, my God, so relieved. Anyway, Hammett, what's your happy thing this week? Uh, I feel like I've... What have I said? I don't know. Your house is probably going to get built again. <laughs> yeah. It was flooded for a long time. I finally will get a, new, a house fixed. Hammond's been living been at his folks' house for like, for like months. six weeks. Something like that. That's why I've been filming it or recording at my house. Yeah. And that's why you've been hearing Dottie all the time. Because <laughs> I was like, we live at your house now. Yes. This is what we do. Um, cool. This went very, very long, huh? That's all right. Um, sorry. This was a really weird episode, I think. I What's think it your was happy good. thing? I said my happy thing. I just made a really impassioned okay. speech about my happy job. I thought we job. were still answering the other question. Oh. Segway to... Fall. Yeah, I told you I segued. I can do another okay, happy thing. I have happy things in my life. Drink I can't more wine. think... Okay, I do not appreciate that kind of garbage from <laughs> Your you. glass is empty. It's not Almost. Yet. Almost. Uh, if you know how to reach us, yeah. go to patreon.com slash friendlyatheist. Blu-ray, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E-E. Bitches get stitched on as my Etsy. Hammond's at Hammond Meta on Twitter. Uh, friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us listener mail so we can ramble on for um, another 20 minutes. And if you made it up until this point in the podcast, one, thank you. Bless your heart. Two, um... I am speaking in Peoria, Illinois on Sunday morning. <laughs> so you made it to this point in the podcast, uh, and you live in Western Illinois. And you live in like central, wherever central <laughs> Illinois is. Uh, that information we'll put up on the podcast notes Sunday morning of this weekend. Uh, hope to see you there. Cool. Whoever's there. Cool. Thanks, Talk to guys. you next week. Bye. Bye.